and get comfy. Hello, everybody. It's another Thursday night, and it's Ngum, Giselle, and Sidoni here from Christian Women in the UK. We are back to have another wonderful conversation as we've been having for, oh, God, heaven knows now, we've been going I think, a couple of years now almost. Mm. So, yeah, congratulations to you ladies for putting up with me. <laughs> oh, it is. It's a couple of years. It is. It is. It's coming up to two years now. Really? Mm. What's my mm. award, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you both deserve one. Um, tonight. Give me an award. Oh, carrying on with our Women of the Bible series. Um, so every Thursday night we do um, a Women of the Bible and we're working our way through a book. Um, and we are aware that by popular demand, we are going to be doing two of these a month because increasingly we are getting um, messages of people saying we need more we need more we need more um, and there are quite a few women in the bible say mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out a way of um, incorporating two of these sessions a month so watch this space certainly months where we haven't got a special guest in um, we're certainly looking at doing two of these a month so yeah watch this space and um subscribe or follow us um just to keep abreast so today we are in genesis and we are looking at bilha yes. and zilpa these two ladies um come to us via rachel and leah um and so i'll just read what our book says about mm-hmm. them and then we can just have a discussion mm-hmm. as to perhaps some of the lessons that we can learn from them and some of the things that jump out at us and perhaps how we can apply those in our lives today mm-hmm. um so it goes the scriptural reference is from genesis 29 um to 30 you mm-hmm. can find them there and they lived about um, 1875 BC. Um, their names, Bilha and Zilpa, apparently both mean uncertain, mm-hmm. um, which in and of itself is interesting. <laughs> the historical the significance yeah. mm, means each bore two sons who became the forefathers of Israelite tribes. Um, so the first heading here is their role in scripture. These two women were slaves bound to Rachel and Leah, respectively. While their lives were interwoven with those of their mistresses, and while each had a vital role in shaping the Jewish people, little is known of them as individuals, not even the meaning of their names. Bilha and Zilpah's oh. life stories, um, Genesis 29 and 30. Bilha and Zilpah were slaves in Laban's household before either Rachel or Leah was married. Um, See Genesis 29, 24, um, verses 24 and 29. This may suggest that the two were older than their mistresses. While wealthy city dwellers often purchased children to be companions for their young sons and daughters, Laban worked a ranch. The fact that even beautiful Rachel was pressed into service as a shepherdess makes it likely the two slaves were set to work. Bilhar and Zilpah had been Laban's slaves and were his wedding gifts to his two daughters. 
the transfer of ownership may not have made much difference to the two slave women. After all, they were still slaves, bound to obey whoever owned them. Yet in that day, slave women owned by men were often used as sexual partners by their masters or casually given to their owner's sons or to friends as sex partners. Bilha and Zilpa may have actually felt safer with women as their owners. No man could touch them without their mistress's permission. If they did feel safer, they did not count on the intense rivalry had developed between the two sisters who owned them. Both sisters were married to the same man, Jacob. As Rachel watched her sister produce son after son for their husband, she became more and more frustrated and jealous. Following a custom explained earlier, Rachel gave her maid Bilha to Jacob as a surrogate. We have no indication in the biblical text of how Bilha felt about this, or even what Jacob felt. Rachel commanded, Bilha obeyed. By custom, the sons born the sons born to the slave women belonged to the wife, a fact underlined by the Genesis reports that Rachel was the one who named each boy. One she named Dan and the other Naphtali. When Bilhah had produced two sons for Jacob, Leah felt compelled to respond. She gave Zilpah to Jacob and he fathered two more sons through her. Leah claimed them as her own and named these two Gad and Asher. Those who have found the direction of their life set by others and have been forced to cope with situations growing out of decisions in which they had no part and empathize with Bilhah and Zilpah. Nothing about their lives was under their control. They lived and died as slaves. Yet together, they produced four sons who were destined to father a third of Israel's 12 tribes and to be celebrated forever by God's Old Testament people. Next heading is exploring their relationships. The two servants were given to Jacob as concubines. Each woman bore him two sons. These women, unlike Hagar, could adjust to their roles without showing animosity towards their mistresses. Indeed, relationships among the four women and their many children seem to have been amicable. Only one problematic incident recorded is recorded. Reuben, Jacob, and Leah's oldest son went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it in Genesis 35, verse 22. Later in Genesis, when Jacob lay dying, he blessed his sons, but said of Reuben, unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. That's in Genesis 49 and verse 4. So that's the story of two women. Very interesting, I find. Um... And let's just have, you know, unpick this as we normally do over the next sort of half hour or so. Um, I'll start with you, Giselle. Thank you. <laughs> Two slave women yes, in that day and age. As you read the story, what is your overwhelming emotion? I want to cry. Why? What makes you want to cry? Well, you know, there were slave women. Mm. The two sisters 
gave their each of their slaves. Okay, they're all they're all married to the same man. You know, the two sisters married to the same man. The two mm. sisters give their slaves to their husband. Mm. You know, that that that's sad. I just mm. just it makes me think. You know, just we we know how women were treated in those days, mm-hmm. and women really were treated as property instead of human beings. Mm-hmm. They were bought and sold. And you know, yes, it says here that in, in the book that we're uh, following mm. that the uh, Billa and Silva probably felt safer being owned by women rather than men masters because mm-hmm. they're men masters. They could have been passed around at parties and things like that just as mm-hmm. sex objects. That is really... That's, no, I don't like that. No, no, no. Okay, I mean, Gum, what about you? When you hear of these two women and essentially their fate, what what comes to mind? What's your overriding emotion? I think my overriding emotion is really anger. It's great, to be honest. Anger towards who? Anger towards towards the 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 people who have enslaved them to be honest it's not just one person it's literally laban and it's a social conspiracy if you like because it's this system which was instituted by whoever we know that slavery is a very old thing right Mm -hmm. but these systems only work because people buy into it so Starting from Laban, and we know the kind of person that Laban was. So mm-hmm. yeah. you know, uh. I, kind of, I kind of laughed a little bit when they said even his own daughter was pressed, hard pressed to go and work. I'm like, please, this is Laban we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the man was just a nasty. Oh, He's like, I'm not spending extra money, go and work, spending that money on you. So I think it's it just shows you the kind of you know, it just shows you how human beings just have this innate cruelty. You know, without God, we are really, the heart of man is wicked. It's true. Mm, mm. Because sometimes you think, how can people do these things? But human nature is very, very cruel. Mm. And it will manifest in different ways, right? But for mm-hmm. people to think that this kind of arrangement is okay. Mm. And the worst part is when the girls now start getting, I mean, we're hearing here that these girls were potentially even older than Rachel and Leah. Mm-hmm. So just imagine how insolent it would be that mm-hmm. helped them when they were little to hold their hand and everything. And then now they are like, can you go and sleep with my husband so I can have kids? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, yeah, there's something just very, very wrong about it. But mm-hmm. I also love the fact that you know, they end up being the mothers of these men, right? Who become like the fathers of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so even though you don't hear their own personal story, they were still, God still writes their name mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. His, in a very interesting way through their sons. And the boys are identified as their sons because mm-hmm. I bet you if it was a human being that had written this story, maybe they wouldn't have, they would have just edited them out of it. Mm-hmm. But I love mm-hmm. the fact that they are mentioned as the mothers of these boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I what jumps out at me here is Jacob. Come on, like yeah, he could have said no. Yeah, like no, no, we're talking I mean? about Jacob here, guys. <laughs> I like, know. No, hold on a minute. We're not just talking about Jacob. We're talking about most men. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're talking about like, like, now, come on, don't don't get me started. Adam was weak when uh, Eve said the serpent told me I could eat of this tr- this mm-hmm. fruit of this tree. Okay, mm-hmm. he should have said, "No woman, take it from her and throw it away." Right? Mm-hmm. He, was, he was weak. Now Jacob's My- weak. How weak was David, King David, when he uh, and raped- Abraham? Oh, yes, yeah. 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 not just helping this matter. So, <laughs> but you know what? Jacob, Jacob is really cheeky because then it will be interesting to know why is it Bilhah that sleeps with Reuben, right? Only God knows what was going on in the house. Mm. But it was probably some kind of expression of anger or frustration. She was clearly mm. not happy, right? And maybe she wasn't allowed to have relationships. You wonder, like, what was the status of slaves? Could they marry? Could they have a relationship? Did she do it to get back at the family? You know, mm-hmm. and then Jacob feels all righteous and curses his son. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, dude, you, you, one, you treated Leah like she was rubbish, mm-hmm. and you've gone and you know stepped with her servant. Okay, fair enough that the women, quote and unquote, gave these women right. Yeah. Then yeah. a servant in that position, can they really say no? So mm-hmm. wow, it just shows you how human beings. Yeah, and human I mean, the- cruelty is what really st- stands out to me. Like, wow! And sometimes, yeah, they've done something. Yeah, you know. And the fact that, that they use, like, yeah. we use these. I mean, this is an important message as well as to how we use people. Because sometimes we can yes. often view people as pawns in our in our games or as means to an end. Um, but there's a message here. I think that God's trying to let us know that no nobody not even a slave is insignificant mm-hmm. in his eyes um, Absolutely. as human beings we 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 can have this tendency of using people um yes. you don't have to be a narcissist you know it's it's innate we like like you're saying you know our innate nature is is a fallen one and sometimes consciously or subconsciously if we don't put it in check we can very often use people um, for our own gain, for our own ends. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, cruel, but we can yeah. use people. And we see that here. Um, yes, in the end, this women profited because, well, profited in quote, because obviously they bore sons that became a, a third of, fathers to a third of Israel's 12 tribes. However, we see that that's ultimately come from a situation where they've got no rights, where they've been used. Um, mm. So I think you, there's a message here that God's saying nobody is insignificant in his eyes and he's interested in everybody's story, whether you're a Zilpa, a Bilha, a Leah or a Rachel. Because, I mean, if you compare Jacob's attention um, between Rachel and between these slaves, it's like one end of the spectrum to the other because he's madly in love with Rachel. She's beautiful. Rachel is like, even you know, right. Rachel is everything he wants in a woman. Um, and she's so desired by him. But then you also have, she's not able, yet she's not able to give him children. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have these women who are slaves and they've really got no rights of their own. And they're being used as a pawn in this game between the two sisters. Um, so I think, you know, there's that message here that nobody's, ain't nobody's insignificant for God to notice and, and B, God will turn around any situation for mm. good 
Mm. Um, and if you, if you think you've been hard done by or you feel like you've been used or you're just in a situation where I said, no, you know, you're being violated and um, whether that's in your mind, your body, physically, mentally, and you just feel worn down and you feel like you have no say in what's going on or what's happening to you. Just cry out to God because he will answer you and he has got the power. He's sovereign. He's almighty. He's got the power to turn that situation for your good. And not even that, he's also got the ability to write your name down in the books of history. Yeah. Where Absolutely. generations later, people will be talking about you um, as yeah. the mother of as the mother of nations. <laughs> You'll be famous. Exactly. Yes. You know, yes. um, that's one thing that jumps out here. And and the other thing is, uh, you know, just when we read this, we are in effect, there seems to be some kind of generational thing going on here. Because, you know, this is like a, a times two version of Abraham, Sarah and Hagar. This is like something that is going on. Yeah, but it, it's like this whole family, there's a lot of dysfunction dodgery going on <laughs> for lack of a better word it's a lot of dysfunction hmm. um yeah yet Giselle we see these men certainly these patriarchs described as the father of fathers of the faith hmm? how do you think that speaks to men because we are called to be better than this we are called we are after christ we are we are called to a higher standard we are called to a standard so speaking perhaps to men more specifically but also to women raising sons what lessons are there perhaps in the what is recorded certainly going in the going from the bible in the recorded inaction of these men and the action in being complicit with some of what these women around them are doing like you say we see it throughout we see sarah we see jezebel we see eve you know these men appear complicit in a lot of what's going on so Certainly speaking to men, because I know we have got a very, we've got a, a big male audience. Um, I know they don't like to admit it, but when we have the feedback yes. and the stats yes. <laughs> and yes. some of the emails that we get back, yes. I know we have a lot of male listeners. Yes. Um, so speaking to men, what encouragement, what advice, what message do you think there is here for men um, specifically, but also as women raising sons or nephews um or cousins or women who have got because we always say this in most of our series you know women are the hands that rock the cradle mm-hmm. and you know so what message do you think they can learn from here well plain and simple men learn from the mistakes of these men in in the bible don't do as they did woman bringing up kids in the house young 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 men in the house Remember how the mother would like to be treated and teach her sons to treat other women like that. Mm. That's it. Simple, plain, plain, plain and simple. These men were human. They made mistakes. Mm. Uh, they were weak. Mm-hmm. Now, 
they probably would say, oh, Satan made me do it. I feel so sorry for Satan. <laughs> I, no, I really do it because he gets the blame of everything that we do wrong. Mm. And many of us actually stand up and say, whoops, it was me. It was my fault. Mm, mm. Very many, you know, we eat too much of Satan made me do it. Mm. Jacob, Jacob sleeps with the two uh, 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 maid servants. Oh, Satan it reminds me of, I don't know, gee, one of these days I'll have to corrupt you with Nigerian movies. <laughs> There's always this bit of the woman's husband catches her with a guy, with a, with a, like the woman's husband will catch the, the, man, the woman will catch her husband with another um, another woman. And he said, is the work of the devil. <laughs> what? <laughs> but the devil is your lust that's a very good point you say to to say to men learn from the mistakes of these men because for some crazy reason the mistakes of men seem to inspire others i've you know i've followed um debates online when people always want to talk about like polygamy right and they'll say well abraham did it jacob did it all these men who were close to god and god had no problem with it Really? If you really study the Bible, would you say that God had, maybe God was just like, look, in the grand scheme of things, human beings, your consequences will teach you. I'm not even going to talk to you about this. Mm. But if you look at just the consequences, you know that those situations were not a blessing. Mm. But what on a thread now on Facebook, you will see this man roaring and saying, no, this, it's not unbiblical. It's not wrong to be a polygamist. So yeah, for some reason, you, you know, they don't want to be like Job right mm-hmm. to me that's the man in the bible to really look up to they don't mm-hmm. want to be like mary's husband joseph right even jesus he's my joseph g joseph is my g joseph is just the guy of guys but even jesus doesn't inspire some of these men the way abraham because he had two wives mm-hmm. you know so yeah mm-hmm. well like the, th- the thing is still in genesis when you look at genesis chapter 2 verse tw- uh 18 to 20 Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says there, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Thank and you. Wife one flesh. No, that's hold <laughs> fast to his wife, not hold fast to his wives. Okay? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you jump to 1 Corinthians, where mm. it's written there that there is one man for one woman and one woman for one man. Amen. And Amen. 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 Tell so, them. an argument. And the thing is, the men who vie for this thing, right, are the ones who are least capable of handling it. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't be a, poly- a polygamist who has peace of mind. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. I can mm-hmm. assure you, it does not mm-hmm. exist. Because it's just not a setup that is built to create peace and harmony in a family. Mm-hmm. Yes, people mm-hmm. can suppress their emotions and get to a point, but it takes a lot of work. To get, and I just think a lot of these young men, because you have like this movement of young men now who have their own brand of Christianity or mm-hmm. what they think is Christianity and want to push for all these things. But I'm still to find a case where somebody took another wife, which wasn't motivated by lust. I mean, mm-hmm. even that, okay, maybe Abraham didn't really want to marry Hegel, but like you said, he could have said no. Probably mm. looked at and thought, well, I, no matter what, you know, I would just because mm. we really didn't mm. have to do it. You know, this is the mm. Abraham who was saying to Sarah, Sarah, tell a lie so I can my life can be saved, right? Couldn't mm. so, mm. control, but he probably looked at Hagar again and thought, hmm, you know, mm. I mean, Jacob, who can even 
you know, but there was something about all these men, is all I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah, it was copy people, copy someone like Job. And it's interesting, Job had one wife, even mm-hmm. though his wife was not even the, 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 the best of people. A woman mm-hmm. is telling you to curse God and die. Did Job leave that woman? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 interesting. And, you know, there's also something that jumps out to me here. And it, I think a, a function, part of it is a function of the society that they lived in. Yes. But there is the idolization of children. Oh, um, yes. And that's a big, certainly within um, the culture that Gum and I come from. Um, so, you know, the African culture. Oh, there Lord. is an idolization of childbearing um, sons to be, to be particular. And, you know, I'm, yes. I'm going to say this unashamedly. It's out there. It's, it's uh, you know, in, in certain African cultures, if not most African cultures, you are seen to have arrived if you're married and have born a son. If yes. you're not married, you know, most of the time you're counted out. If you haven't, if you're married and you haven't had any children, you're probably even worse. And if you've had children and you haven't managed to bear a son to carry on the family name, then you'll be you'll be hounded. Okay. And so when I read this, there is an idolization of childbearing. Um, and an idolization of sun bearing that is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where this jealousy and mm. um, competitiveness stems from. Um, mm. And I think there's also a warning, um, perhaps to some of us from certain backgrounds, to be careful not to idolize this. I mean, Jacob gives Rachel, is it, I think, a really good answer the first time she tries it, you know, when she's moaning and whinging and he's like, oh my God, do I give children? Like, I'm not God, I don't give children. And that's a very good reply. And if, you know, I think that, that should, certain cultures should take heed of that um, and know that if a, woman is married um and either has fertility issues um or is unable to bear a child for whatever reason um then that's not something to um use to wear her down that's not a stigma that she should that should be pinned on her she shouldn't be made to feel like Rachel and it is a thing women are made to feel like that in certain social circles Mm -hmm. if they're childless if they're married and they're childless I mean even within the church it's a thing you know childless couples um are can sometimes feel forgotten um Women with fertility issues can sometimes feel overlooked or not feel comfortable in certain, um, you know, especially in a, in, a, in, in a situation like a church, which is very family orientated, mm-hmm. um, that can be a sensitive issue for some people. So I think there's a warning here for some of us, if not all of us, to not idolize things or children, especially things over which we have no control and yes. think, you know, we have no ability to make children. It's a blessing and it comes from God. Um, you know, we have no, it's not of our making. You know, if, 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 if a woman who's able to carry and bear a child, 
is of equal value in God's eyes to a woman who hasn't had a child or who is infertile. Um, and we can see that a lot of this jealousy stems from that. And sure. yes, this issue of, of childbearing. Um, so that was something that sort of jumped out at me, especially when I read, you know, Genesis 30, um, verse 1. Rachel, it says here, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. I mean, like how extreme, <laughs> literally, I can imagine it. Um, Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Um, you know, and then we see the whole plan start to unravel from that. Um, so I think there's, there's certainly, there's certainly that going on there. And then if we carry on in, in, in Genesis 30, there's this issue of mandrakes, right? Which very, very quickly reminded me of Esau selling his birthrights. So Genesis chapter 30, I'll, I'll read it because this, this made me laugh. Yeah, it was, you know, during wheat harvest, I'm starting from verse 14. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants which he brought to his mother, Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went to meet him. You must sleep with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah and she God. became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Um, you know, and this is like trading. <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> all shaking her head. Gee, come on, why are you? you are... <laughs> She's okay. just looking incredulous. <laughs> Ladies, may I just ask, what is this plant and what's so special about it? Well, apparently I looked this up before, you know, earlier on when I was doing some studying into this. And apparently mandrakes were seen as a fertility thing. Um, so uh, they were uh, used in ancient, see. yeah, in the ancient tradition as a fertility treatment. Um uh. I mean, because I thought, what is it about mandrakes, you know? Like, I, I had to go do a bit of digging for myself, but apparently that's what they were used for. Um, but Giselle, you're looking completely incredulous there, shaking your head. What's going on in your mind? I'd love to hear it. Oh, just the way, sorry, you. I want some mandrakes. Uh, well, you know, no, you can't have them. Oh, but I'll sleep with him tonight. So, yes, you can sleep with him tonight. I'll have them tomorrow night. Yeah, this is crazy. This really, this really is. And I think, I think that you say earlier that you know, how dare Jacob get annoyed when his son sleeps with one of the concubines? Mm. You know, but you know, again, doesn't that show you that the children grow up doing what the parents, the same mm -hmm. parents, doing? Exactly. Learn behavior. Exactly. But even the women, these women, in a bizarre way, even though the world was generally cruel to them, in this situation, they were kind of in control. Like, they were just trading anyhow, even their own Exactly. <laughs> this is what I mean. And, and you know... <laughs> it was so bad. Like, they, to my knowledge, right, men who are polygamists, at least coming from an African context, I often 
when I hear these stories, it's usually the man who decides which woman he's going to sleep with. Mm. You know, they come up with a system, right? So Jacob's like a but, puppet. <laughs> these women don't even consult him. They just come up, they just upset the system. And then she just goes and says, you're sleeping with me tonight. <laughs> doesn't put up much of a resistance. <laughs> it's futile arguing with these women. <laughs> yeah. At this point, but, you either... But, but it shows you as well just how strong these uh, the, these poor ladies that's were. That's my point, Gee. Yeah, that's my point. And, you know, if, if we can flip back, I think, to the very first lady we spoke about, Abigail, look at mm-hmm. how strong she was mm-hmm. when she, she completely deferred a complete disaster mm-hmm. by her foolish husband saying no. And she mm-hmm. went and said yes and mm-hmm. lavished David with uh, food and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The woman, yes, okay, whilst whilst I felt sad for these women to start with. You're uh, changing your opinion. <laughs> yes, but, but they're they're strong as well. They are very strong and they're mm-hmm. controlling. Mm-hmm. They really I feel sorry for the slaves. I, I do to really lose out in the story. I mean, we see that God comes to their rescue. But if you really look at it, they're the ones because Rachel and Leah seem to, and again, they have traits of their father. It's very mm-hmm. clear. They don't care about anybody. It's mm-hmm. just about them, right? So mm-hmm. they take that up from their dad to the point where even the man, Rachel, who you would have thought, okay, is also in love with Jacob, right? She doesn't care. At one point, it looks like having a child is more important to her mm-hmm. than even being in a marriage. Because what you said, Sidonie, about you know the idolization of children, mm-hmm. I know that it mm-hmm. can get to a point where Children are more important than the marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be so. Yes. It shouldn't be so because God establishes marriage before he says, you know, go forth and multiply. But you and I, how many times have men justified going out to have a child with another woman or going mm-hmm. to bring another wife in mm-hmm. all of our societies? Or like you said, sometimes even justified going to bring another wife because the, the, the wife, quote and unquote, couldn't have a son. Even mm-hmm. though we know scientifically speaking that who kind of controls those chromosomes more? It's mm. men, but mm. you know, people don't really know this. So I think we, we need to really, as Christians, like you said, understand the importance of marriage. Mm-hmm. You should really be getting into it with the idea that, okay, if we're blessed by children, amazing. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have children, mm-hmm. then you talk to God about it. Going to find another wife is not a solution because mm-hmm. that other wife can come with her own problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you will see when we go to a, a case like um, Hannah and Penina, mm-hmm. uh, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important that yes, children are wonderful, but do you then end up compromising your values because you're looking for a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know that's important, and I love it because you know God has a sense of humor. Jacob got Esau's birthright by trading a bowl of soup, right? And now he's been pawned about by women trading mandrakes behind his back. And you, you just I don't love laugh it. at the genuinity I, <laughs> I cannot lie to you. I love it. Now when you analyze it like this, I'm just like, Jacob, from the minute Jacob met Laban, I was like, yes. You, you know, he's got his comeuppance. <laughs> you, know, like, you know when you think you're a trickster, right? And then you meet your mm. senior. <laughs> mm, yeah. But she's all... Giselle, you made a very good point and one that I, I very often labor. Women are stronger than they think they are. Yes. Um, and the Bible does describe us as the weaker vessels. And, and we are. However, there is an inner strength to us. And mm. 
what seems to me time and time again an infinite ability for manipulation women have <laughs> oh yeah and i laugh but we do have an infinite ability to manipulate circumstances and people oh, yes. to our own gains and that is something that we must be very mindful of as women and take that to the cross and lay it at God's feet and say, Lord, help me with this and help me to manipulate people for good to your glory, not for my own end, not for my own gain, but to bring people to you. Because I think what's certainly becoming apparent is that certainly so far, all the women that we've looked at have an inner strength and they have mm. been able to turn, quote unquote, bad situations for good. They have endured, these women endured slavery. They mm. endured, um, they wouldn't have seen it as being violated because once you're, once you are owned, you are owned body, you know, and everything that comes with it. So in today's terms, we'll look at it as they're being violated, but they certainly wouldn't have looked upon it that way but they had no agency and no rights over their own bodies. And they were simply given over to their mistress's husband um, to be used for childbearing purposes. And that's all it was, you know, it's, here you go, bear a child. And then they're not even able to have ownership of those children because they're slaves. Yep. Those children then become their mistress's sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think there's an inner strength that you need to sit by and watch that happen and not become as aggrieved as Hagar, you know, because Hagar obviously starts despising her mistress and then she starts becoming, quote unquote, an uppity little madam. <laughs> and then <laughs> Sarah realizes, actually, she's becoming too much of a handful get rid of her yeah, we'll get to hate her later yeah exactly oh, Satan made me do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor Satan but even God certainly... had to intervene to rescue Abraham because he was clearly useless at managing the situation yeah but I think what's yeah. what's here is this this inner strength that we have and I think it's a message that we need to um perhaps reinforce to women um you're mm-hmm. never as powerless as the situation will have you believe you are Exactly. Um, yeah. And this is for, for any woman who finds herself in a situation where they feel that they're not in control or they feel that they have no agency in that situation. Um, just remember that you are never as powerless as you think you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in God's image. Um, and so if you turn your life away, turn your life towards him and give your life to him, he will empower you. His Holy mm-hmm. Spirit will empower you and make your situation, your current situation, work for your good. Mm-hmm. It might not be in your lifetime. These women certainly didn't see yeah. any of Israelites' further blessing um, of the tribes in their lifetimes. They didn't see, you know, the tribes go out and conquer the Canaanites, the Ammonites, you know, every other tribe that came and fought with the 12 tribes of Israel, these two women didn't live long enough to see that. But rest assured that when you are in Christ, your Mm. story will turn for good. 
and give it over to him. And if you're not in Christ and you're listening to this or you happen to have stumbled across us or somebody sent you this audio and you think, oh, I'm in such a perilous situation. How can I come out of it? Remember that even if you are not born again, you were made in God's image. He's always there willing with arms open to embrace you. Come back to him and he will show you a way out. And even if he chooses not to show you a way out or you do not find a way out, he will dangerous message out there that if you pray God, he will deliver you from your, from your perils, from your trials. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you will remain in that situation. But God promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, he will give you the strength to endure wherever he places you. Um, and, and we all pray for deliverance. And we all pray like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. that If it's possible, let this cup be taken away from me. And I can see how perhaps these two women would have perhaps prayed that prayer been given to their to this man um to be used as childbearing machines how many women do we know that you know we've heard stories with you know women that are being trafficked are just being passed around you know and i'm sure that they would have prayed if it's possible let this cup be taken away from me but then there's another side to that prayer where Jesus prays, yet not my will, but yours be done. Because Jesus recognizes that it is God's will to go through that trial, to go through the crucifixion, to come out the other end of Resurrection Sunday. And so he, to see God's will through to the, to the end, because we know that the end is victorious. We know at the end of the story is triumphant in Christ Jesus. We know that death is defeated. We know that eternity is with, is with God. We know that here is, is temporary. Um, and so there's that encouragement there that I think we can get from these women and those lessons that we can learn um, about, you know, how strong we are, mm. the strength that we have, um, our infinite ability to manipulate people, especially as women, um, we are to submit that to God every given chance or, where, or whatever we feel tempted to do so. We are to say, Lord, please take control of my sinful desires and evil heart and show me the way. I pray that prayer all the time. I'm going to admit it right now. You know, there are times when I'm like, if I do this, 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 and this, I will get this outcome. That's really not what God wants. <laughs> so I have to pray, God, I give this over to you. You know, so there's that. There's also a message here for the men and for the women raising men and um, all who have an influence over young boys and men in their lives, whether that's spiritually, religiously, biologically, um, that, you know, children are watching. They learn from what they see, like, like Giselle quite rightly pointed out. Um, and there's also here where it just says men have good character be of good character like you said it's obvious you know say no people act like it's not possible you hear Mm. all the men are weak you know they they just can't help it um what's the thing oh they have to spread their seed they're biologically programmed like that 
I'm sorry, mm. I don't agree with that. We're all biologically programmed to do the worst things. Like you think it's women too, who don't see all these men. So mm. my point is this. We all need to strive to be of good character. Jesus came and showed us the standard. Mm-hmm. Oh, only women can be like me, mm. or only men can be like me. So we have that standard as Jesus. There's no excuses. Mm. So yeah, the lessons to be learned here mm-hmm. and encouragements to be had. Gigi, have any closing remarks for us? Nope. Uh, I think we've covered all, my dear. Okay, brilliant. Well, should we pray quickly before we mm-hmm. say goodnight? Let's do it. Yes. Our Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you so much for the wonderful lessons that we've learned from this story of two slave women who were treated as pawns in a game where they had no control over. Heavenly Father, we just want to use this as a point of contact for every single woman that's out there connected to us or that we know about or that will listen to this back on the podcast. We ask, Lord, that you would remind them um, of the strength that they have. You would remind them, Lord, that they are made in your image. You will remind them, Lord, of your promises that you are with them, even though they go through the fire. You will remind them, Lord, to cast their burdens and their care onto you. And more importantly, you will let them know, Lord, that and remind them that all things will work together for their good. And it might not even be in their lifetime, but help them, Lord, to trust in you, Lord, that whatever the outcome is, you have got it sorted, Lord. You ultimately have secured victory. Um, and victory is theirs. Help them to lean into this. Help them to tap into this strength. Help us, Lord, to remember, Lord, that our hearts are infinitely cruel, Lord, and we are manipulative and vindictive. And you say in your word, Lord, that the heart of man is wicked. Who can know? Um, who can truly know it? And so, Lord, we know that our hearts are sinful. We know that our hearts are selfish. We know that our hearts have the tendency to idolize things, even things we have no control over. Help us, Lord, to cast away every single idol, and whether that's childbearing or childmaking, help us to encourage those who are perhaps looking up to you for children to walk with them um, with sympathy and empathy and just to love them and make them know, Lord, that they are of no less value to you because of their inability to have children. Um, Help us, Lord, to be the ones that encourage and help people to tear down the societal idols and turn their eyes back to you, Lord, the one true God, the one who is able to do all things in his power. Help us, Lord, to be constantly reminded of your sovereignty, to be constantly reminded, Lord, that you are the one who rules above all the nations. You rule above the whole earth. You alone, Lord, has the power to change situations and turn them around for good and generational blessings as we have seen in the story of Bilha and Zilpah today. Lord, you have caused them, even though their names meant uncertain, but you have caused them to be remembered for centuries and, 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 and millenniums later, we're still talking about them, Lord. And this is because, Lord, um, you chose to smile on them in their um, what was very difficult circumstances. Thank you for Shizal, thank you for Ngum. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we're able to meet on another Thursday like this. We ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every single person who is listening to this, either um, back on the playback um, or on the live tonight in the group. And, Lord, that you would keep each and every one of us in good health as until we come back next Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Say good night to everyone on Facebook. Night, night, everybody on Facebook. <laughs> good night. And I say night, night to everybody in Zoom land. Night, night, Zoom.
Good night. Good night.